welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my lovely co-host, Jillian Parker. Hi, everyone. Jillian and I are recording our first long-distance podcast, and I know this is how most podcasts are done, but it's not what we are used to. It's very distressing. Yeah, and I didn't know how to work a microphone up until, well, my whole life, until this morning, so... Honestly, I just hope that your microphone is actually recording. I have no way to check, so I trust you. I know. I'm extremely paranoid right now. (laughs) Um, Oh my goodness. It's going to be fine. We're just going to go for it and um, hope for the best. Yes, that's kind of like what our motto is. What what our motto is for the world in general. How are you doing today, Jillian? I'm doing all right. Still recovering from being awful at life in terms of grades and finals so I'm recovering from that but it's all right it's nice being home what about you Quinn basically same well it's fine this semester is over we are home for winter break um we're celebrating Christmas at the end of the week it's gonna be all fine Woo! holidays um on that note the world is still terrible and everything sucks yes so on oh my goodness this is awful so The Russian ambassador to Turkey was assassinated in an art gallery, um, and he was shot in the back and killed as he was giving a speech. And his attacker, as he he opened fire, shouted, don't forget Aleppo, and Allahu Akbar, which I think translates to God is the greatest. Mm -hmm. So this is another one of those incredibly complicated geopolitical situations that we talked about last week. And if you want to hear our disclaimer about how we don't have a lot of background in this area, uh, basically any kind of international discourse, you can listen to last week's episode. But as has been pointed out by many people, and I have to bring up, this is eerily familiar to the beginning of World War One back over 100 years ago when tensions across the world were starting to... Um, really heat up and there were a lot of issues and then Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated and it sparked off all of these alliances kicking in wars being declared and then oh no the world is at war um so far that hasn't happened I think that you would not hear that from us first (laughs) it it kind of seems like um an attack is this attack was an attempt to uh, hurt the diplomatic relations between Turkey and Russia, which are already not in great shape um, because of some other events that have happened. So that was a big risk, and it was only happened. It only happened on Monday, so we don't know for sure like how things are going to shake out. But both countries have said no. Like this is going to strengthen our diplomatic ties. We are united together against terrorism. We're not going to fight each other, which hopefully that holds true because as much as I said about Russia last week, I'm not advocating anyone go to war with them or anyone. I think I'm pretty against war, especially if it's at the risk of triggering greater geopolitical conflict across the entire world. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would just like to point out that Quinn made the startling comparison to the start of World War One, and meanwhile, I made the comparison of, oh, he was shot in an art gallery. That's kind of like in the movie The Da Vinci Code. Um, so I need to reorganize my priorities. I mean, also a valid observation. <laughs> maybe not. 
maybe not the um most pressing comparison but no definitely not i was it is weird when you when you like log on to twitter in the morning and archduke franz ferdinand is trending and you're like what what happened (laughs) but yeah so like quinn said um russia and turkey are trying to team up because you know well against terrorism and then the u.s state department are they are they like a superhero team up is it is it iron man and spider-man come to save us i'm sorry i shouldn't be making jokes about this it's very it's very tragic i think what quinn and i need to um we of course we understand how tragic and serious this is and i feel like we try not try to make jokes because we're not that funny but we try to nuance it a little bit just so our show isn't as depressing as the news we talk about and i mean so there's a time and a place for gallows humor. I think there is a point when gallows humor goes too far, but I am definitely a person who enjoys it of my own life as well. Whenever there's a horrifying failure in my life, my parents make a lot of jokes about it, and I think that's where I got it. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Anyway, gallows humor, if you haven't noticed, exists on this podcast, because if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have any humor at all. Yep, and then you wouldn't want to listen to us. Because then <laughs> we wouldn't be a source of, I don't even know. I, it's, it's late right now, Quinn. It's it is not very late. late. It's 9 p.m. Uh, I know, I know. So, sorry, you were actually saying something about diplomatic relations. Oh, yes. So, of course, the U.S. State Department um, obviously condemned the attack because we're also attempting, apparently we're also attempting to resolve the refugee crisis happening in Aleppo, which we talked about uh, last week. Um, so yeah, the, the saga continues. This is just a huge, as Quinn was saying before, geopolitical mess. Well, because there's also been, there's been a lot of tension between Turkey and Russia recently, um, partly because of things going on in Syria, where Russia has been supporting um, the Syrian government's and Turkey doesn't totally love that. And then they Turkey shot down a plane, a Russian plane that was um, uh, flying close to the Turkish border between Syria and Turkey. And so that really strained diplomatic tensions for a while. But um, they've cooled down recently. Um, and there was an attempted coup in Turkey over the summer that failed. Um, and after that happened, especially I think like around that time, um, Russia was starting to like treat them, treat Turkey better again after the whole plane incident. And like, they were one of the ones who called to offer their support to the leader of Turkey. And so things went better. And then, um, uh, an ambassador got assassinated, which is kind of like, if you were to ask me like, Oh, Quinn, what is a way to stir up tension between two countries? It's probably one of the things I'd suggest because it's like that's that's the designated liaison between two important powers in this part of the world. So if you knock out that person, that is both that's a tragedy um, for that person in their life. And then it's also like the symbol of what the ambassador stood for and the friendly relations between these two countries and where it goes from here. Yeah, this takes... um don't shoot the messenger to the extreme not only has like a life been lost and this his family it's just this entire situation like so of course one of the um big topics of discussion is ultimately who was responsible like we know who the killer was and um he was shot but 
what what was I mean, obviously there was some motive behind this, but was there a group behind that motive or was he just acting on his own? Because there have been a lot of lone wolf attacks where not necessarily an organization is responsible. Um, But yeah, they're still looking into that. Yeah, one of the most concerning things about this is this is... This is going to be another thing that, like, speaking from the perspective of a relatively very young person, is that um, this is the kind of thing that does sound like like it's a history book story. But the thing is, when you're reading about things in history books, they've already figured it all out, you know? Um, and they know when things happened and why things happened. And we really don't know why the, why this has happened yet. Um, like, they're, they are have different theories on different um, organizations that they think are behind this. But, like, we really don't know for sure yet and there's also the potential that we might never know for sure which is weird yeah it's just there's a lot of speculation um and of course one of the big issues um with this is what's happening next i mean right now i i feel like everybody's sort of in a panic about who did this who's who exactly is responsible and trying to have all of their investigation forces looking into this. But then ultimately, like, what's the next step? Like, is, does this open a path for, um, for more attacks? Like I, it's just, it's just a lot. So the former U S um, ambassador, Christopher Hill was talking about the assassination of Russian Russia's ambassador and, on CNN and he was saying how this just marks this just represents like how much political strife both of the countries are undergoing and also is there room for more attacks not necessarily oh does this open a path but more like can this this could be the start of an escalated movement or something of some sort I think this goes into something that the world is coming up against right now which is the definition of war is changing and the definition of terror is changing and like they're calling this a terrorist attack and was it was it carried out was it attack specifically carried out for some political purpose intending to incite terror was it just the work of a lone gunman madman and i mean the the work of a lone person can still be a terrorist attack but that's not what people tend to associate it with. So does the definition of what it, it strictly is matter? Or was, does the definition of what people think it means matter more? Is this kind of thing going to encourage other people to come out and commit more attacks um, in the same vein? Or are they actually going to be able to heal this kind of tension? I mean, in my um, understanding of the world, it's very hard to calm things down on this level and it seems like i mean when you read this story behind this attack it's kind of horrifying like this guy just walked into this art gallery with a gun because he was a police officer and when he passed through when he like he got to the metal detectors and he showed him his badge and said i'm a police officer i'm legally allowed to have a gun with me wherever i am even though he'd called out sick that day or something and they said okay and he walked right in and he just stood there and when he had his chance he just shot this guy and killed him no it's just crazy because i'm looking at the footage and 
uh, to an outsider he looks like just like a normal person going to see an art gallery like he's wearing a suit like he's very put together it's just it's just crazy how literally this could have happened anywhere this is one thing i've actually been thinking about a lot um in connection with the other story that we're talking about today which is the attack in berlin with the truck um what happened in berlin which we'll talk about more in a moment but um basically someone drove a giant truck into a christmas market and um killed a dozen people and injured i think almost 50 more and it's that kind of thing it's like there are no protections against that like we don't have barriers put up in front of christmas markets to keep people from driving trucks into them we just trust as a society that someone won't do that because that's a horrific horrific thing to do and i think about, i thought about this my whole life um which is probably not healthy for like a child but i th- i thought about this before is that even the act of going outside your front door is placing trust in other people that they're not going to kill you because really anyone has that power like anyone could get a weapon and kill you but we because of our societal rules like we trust each other that we that everyone around us will uphold them and what we're seeing more and more is people just not um catering to those and in more drastic ways like driving trucks through city blocks um which is an attack a form of attack we've seen several times now that like there's just there are no protections against that because no one ever thought that someone would do that um but now people are doing it i feel like there is a pattern here that i just feel like these attacks happen when people least expect it it's during the most um inopportune times i mean this was like the holidays this was these are people getting ready to celebrate christmas and the season and it's just it's just like when you like like you said quinn like when you walk out the front door um you're basically putting your trust into other people but also i feel like when it comes to some things i'm more i'm definitely more aware like at certain hours of the night like i'm definitely a lot more cautious but i wouldn't have i wouldn't have even thought of oh there's nothing wrong with just going to a christmas market in the middle of the day so basically um as we talked before um a truck was driven into the market the christmas market in berlin a 24 year old man from tunisia um, is the prime suspect of this attack and he drove a truck into the christmas market as we said in berlin germany and killing at least 12 people and wounding a lot more than that yeah and this echoes some other recent attacks like a very high profile um attack of the same nature in nice recently of uh, a man driving a truck um, into a busy city block and killing even more people in that instance. I feel like I perceive this in the truest sense of a, a terrorist attack because in the way that it was carried out, um, so unexpected, so completely attacking um, just random citizens who had have nothing to do with anything. Um, who are just trying to do Christmas shopping, of all things, uh, completely unexpected, decimating them, decimating the buildings around them. And, like, the kind of fear that that incites. Like, if you are a survivor in that incident, I don't know how you live your life day to day for a long time after that because it, it completely shakes your perception of 
what the world around you is and and like as it should that's terrifying yeah not only are there serious serious psychological ramifications but what does this say politically i mean angela merkel has been um has been having a lot of backlash because she's been letting in a lot of refugees and they have germany has been very accepting um and so this just doesn't look good for her considering she's up for re-election and another populist party a, a populist party wants to move in and sort of i feel like they'll definitely use this as a prime example um, of why Angela Merkel, in their opinion, might not be fit to to run Germany. Yeah, the, the, there's a whole shifting um, political leanings of mo- a lot of countries um, in the Western world. Again, Western world in air quotes, but um, basically like even a few years ago, there were a lot of more liberal rulers in power and then pretty rapidly um like as it goes they're um we have a pretty cyclical system honestly of like going between more liberal and more conservative parties for most countries and so that's what's happening and a lot of more um conservative leaders are putting put in their place and so everyone suddenly is looking at angela merkel who is one of the last like really powerful um like leaders and I mean, she's she might be the most powerful person in Europe at this point. Um, Germany is an incredibly important power there. Um, and so she's up for re-election and then her policy is being used against her um, in this case and saying that like her policies are unsafe, which is it's not looking good for her. I mean, I like I understand how that works, but it's terrible that a tragedy like that is being politicized so rapidly and like i i feel like i i could i i feel like i'm disappointed on both sides because i feel like the the more liberal side in germany was saying like oh wow i really hope this wasn't a refugee who did this because otherwise it looks really bad for us and now they know the prime suspect is tunisian not um native german and so now they're saying like oh like look merkel's policies are bad and we shouldn't be letting people into the country and so we should vote her out and it's like guys people died stop trying to use the person who killed them as a political piece and i know that's how the world works but i just feel like this comes at such a moment when people are already having so many trust issues um and this just like you said before like this is just going to change how not only people think individually like imagine like witnessing this and then experiencing like the repercussions from that psychologically emotionally mentally but also like for the german people as a whole like this is their christmas mark is like what they're no is what they're known for during the holidays and it's just supposed to be a peaceful time and the fact that this happens this happens at that place at that time just seems very seems almost like a plan to not only terrorize maybe a certain group of people but terrorize the liberties that the germans have it's it's an attack against everyone maybe not necessarily a specific group or for a specific motive but it definitely has a lot of implications on how safe the world is and how i feel like 
at least I have, I've always taken for granted um, my liberties, my rights, my, my ability to go where I want reasonably within, within well, uh, reason limits and not be hurt. But this just sort of takes all of that and completely flips it around. It's also important to note that um, ISIS has claimed credit for this attack. Now, like, to be honest, like, we don't know if that means they actually organized this attack um, or if that the person in question who did it actually, like, claimed affiliation with them. Like, we really don't know that for sure. Um, but we do know that they have claimed credit. So... Um, this is another case where, like, not all the details are out yet. They haven't found the person who did it. They don't, like, that the prime, they have this prime suspect, um, but, like, they don't know for sure that he actually did it. They haven't caught him yet. So, so that's something, again, that, like, details are just going to come out, well, hopefully details are going to come out as, as, as the story develops, as they say. Except we are not a 24-hour news broadcast. We are a weekly news broadcast. So if you're really looking for updates on that, go somewhere else. Yes. Um, but still listen to us, though. I mean, also, yeah, of course, of course. Still listen to us, but also go somewhere else. <laughs> so basically, just to wrap up both of these stories, um, I, I, even though they happened in different parts of the world um, and were about different things, like I feel like there are a lot of weird parallels. First of all, they happened on the same day. Um, in both cases, we don't know the exact motivations. Um, we don't know the ramifications of them. We're still looking at how the geopolitical consequences of these are going to play out. And we may not know completely um, for months or even ever, like, how these events are going to unfold. This might be one of the... I, I'm feeling more and more and more. Like, this is one of those periods in the history books that people are going to analyze um, in a hundred years from now to like that, that like that we're we're heading towards something like some kind of war or some huge event and some or some huge shift and these are like the events that are happening that are going to be analyzed to see exactly how we got to that place. You know what I mean? Am I paranoid? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know you're not paranoid at all. I feel like I feel like very. I just feel like like I'm not living through this. I feel like I'm watching from like I feel like I'm having some sort of philosophical out of body experience. Like we're just so used to, you know, learning in social studies or history class what what's going on and who caused it and it was just having a lot of facts, but now since we're like living through such a such an in a crazy time politically, it's just it's like we're watching history being made, but not in the way that we are like active members of it. We're sort of just like watching this unfold and it's it's scary. It's horrifying. Like I can't imagine the people who are actually like in political positions right now and actually like working in, in this world right now is, I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, maybe we'll become senators when we graduate and um, do it ourselves. Um, I would not like to do that, actually. But yes, Quinn. <laughs> Quinn Rose will. <laughs> Quinn Rose, 2028, maybe? For Senate? I'm not sure. We'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, that, that sounds right. We had a recent review, and 
one of our listeners was saying how um, they're libertarian and how they like that we talk about, well, that I talk about some of these uh, libertarian views and try to keep the um, dialogue as open as possible. Um, and so what came up was in the review, what is exactly, like, how do we define fake news? Because in one of our early ep- earlier episodes, we talked a lot about how um, Facebook was having a lot of issues with articles saying that Donald Trump had won the popular vote, even though that wasn't true. Even before all the votes were counted, uh, Hillary Clinton was winning by uh, millions. Um, so sort of Mark Zuckerberg came out saying, oh, we're going to be more careful about this once we shouldn't have this um, permeate throughout the internet. Fake news is fake news is obviously bad. It's very misguiding. And but that sort of also leads to the question censorship of, oh, should we censor some things? And if we do censor these things, what exactly defines the truth? Um, Because basically truth can be this complicated notion and it's sort of, I feel like, especially in movies where they talk about like memories and how you sort of create your own truth based on what you remember but like the human memory is so faulty that we're never I mean at least me I don't think I've ever remembered anything objectively but so censoring deciding what people are allowed to see when people aren't allowed to see it's just a very very complicated since people some news to people that is fake might be another way another person's truth or just way of thinking and how can we distinguish between the two before we get into the meat of this conversation which i am really excited to talk about um i want to say two things to taylor the the person who left this review first of all um i really appreciate that you took the the opportunity to to ask us like a very substantive question in a review um I was like, oh, this is a this is a cool change of pace. Um, and also, you made it onto Jillian's Instagram because she really loved <laughs> she really loved your review and she appreciated you complimenting her. <laughs> yeah, no, I just it's just nice to know that my libertarian class is getting put to good use. Okay, so initial thoughts about this question. First of all, I think you're, you're totally right that like the the question of like what is quote unquote true. Um, can sometimes get really complicated because like it a biased news story is biased but that doesn't make it not true you know and then there are some things that are like straight up like completely made up like i think there was a story going like like with the example that you used that um donald trump won the popular vote that that's just like not true so um there are some things that are completely made up there are some things that are just kind of biased and the question is like where in that line where in that spectrum, do you draw the line and say anything after this point is quote-unquote fake news? A lot of what we talked about in my libertarian class was how a lot of the policies that government has instituted with good intentions often leads, is a slippery slope that can lead to more restricted rights. For example, once you start censoring things, it's sort of a slippery slope towards thought control. It's, It's other people deciding what you can see and what you can't see. And I think that's a huge issue, obviously. Um, And also, the government especially shouldn't be able to censor what you see and what you don't see. It should be up to you to decide. So a couple of things on, like, the idea of 
censoring and censorship. Like, I, I want to say, like, speaking in broad strokes, I'm very against censorship. I think people should be exposed to ideas that they don't agree with that make them uncomfortable. Um, I think discomfort is where a lot of education and growth comes from. What's interesting about the word censorship is that when we're talking about, um, like, Google and Facebook, these aren't the government censoring people. So if Google, as a non-government organization, decides to take a story down, then I'm not sure it can, it's like censorship in the legal sense of the term because um, it's not governmental. On the other hand, like, I think that realistically speaking, things like Google and Facebook are so universal at this point that them choosing to take something down, like, is functionally censorship. Um, Like, what are you going to do? Go on Bing? Like, uh, so, (laughs) um, I just want to get that like argument out of the way because like that is that is nuance and like the, the idea of like what is censorship like technically legally but I think that that practically speaking we can talk about Google taking things down like as a form of censorship. No exactly especially since like this is sort of censorship de facto like it's just Google has just this huge influence um, and they can really it, it's scary but they can they Google can hmm. This idea of censorship, even though it's not the most technical, even though we're not using it in the most technical, technically correct manner, it's it basically borderlines on thought control. Um, okay, maybe that sounds a little overdramatic, over the top, but when one organization, when Google can effectively decide to either show some articles and have some, like, move articles around on where they come up on your search. Like, that's just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... And because, like, for so many years, we know that sites like Facebook and Google have algorithms, um, and they're basically all for advertising, so they, they can advertise to us the best. But more recently, it's come to the attention, like, well, they're using it for advertising, but they can really use it for anything, and Facebook in particular, um, they've shown evidence that like, basically they create this, like you see trending stories and you see stories that you already agree with basically. Um, and they, like your, um, newsfeed is not only based on like the things that your friends are sharing who are statistically speaking, like more likely to agree with you politically. Um, but also just like the stuff that they're showing you from Facebook is going to be stuff that you probably already agree with. So now that we've like debated the nuance of the term, are you in favor of websites like Google or Facebook taking down any kind of news that they deem to be fake? Now, and you can and you can define fake however you want to. Like, how would you define it and would you agree with them taking it down? Um, I'm pretty against censorship on all counts and even with the articles that are objectively false, like Donald Trump winning the popular vote, um, yes, I do agree that's bad. But do I think that Google should have or Facebook should have the right to take that down? Um, I think I, I honestly don't think so. I mean, that is definitely a form of censorship, even though it's false. But I feel like it's really up to the individual to know to be able to discern between what's real and what's not real. And I think that I think giving that responsibility to the government or to other other organizations is just a slippery slope towards thought control. Um, And I think we should nip it in the bud while we can. I will say that as much as I wish that we could like perfectly take down like completely fake stuff off the Internet, like that's not. 
first of all, it's not going to happen. And second of all, like, you're right that that is a slippery slope. And I don't want to give companies that control over people's internet experiences, which are becoming more and more important every year. And so, like, I was agree with you on that. But I will say that I do agree with what they have already started doing, which is demonetizing results that are, like, verifiably false. So I know we keep using the same example over and over again, but with Donald Trump winning the popular vote story, basically what they said is, like, we will take down the ads on the site. And I think this is brilliant because, one, that's not censorship. Denying people money for things is, is, is not censorship. Like, it still exists. People can still find it. But it de-incentivizes people from making up fake stories. Because you, um, we'll link to the, the breakdown of stories about this because there's some really interesting stu- um, investigative journalism about these fake stories out there. And basically people in other countries just make up stuff and flood, um, and flood people's like Twitters and Facebooks with them because they know that they're incendiary and they'll get clicks and they'll get money. So if people aren't making money off of fake stuff... There won't be as much fake stuff out there. Look at you, Quinn, thinking like a real economist, all about incentives and whatnot. I am so proud. My econ 101 is coming back to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the other half of Taylor's question, which is also something that several other people have brought up to us, so um, it's good that we're like finally getting the chance to really talk about it, is the idea of filter bubbles, Um, which is this like people seeing... Basically, it's people seeing what they want to see on social media and only reading stories that they already agree with. And this goes for, like, this goes for your social media feed um, and your real-life friends. And also this phenomenon of when people, like, for example, after the election, there were a lot of people saying that they couldn't be friends with people who voted for Donald Trump. I just, okay. So this is my thing. So obviously I am not for Trump. I did not vote for Trump. Um, but I do have family members that voted for Trump. But I'm not about to unfriend them on Facebook or unfriend them in real life. Because one, that would be extremely complicated. Um, and family reunions would be 10 times more awkward than they already are. And also, like, dialogue is so important, but... I understand that the things that Trump has said are not really open for discussion. Like, you can't you can't brag about sexually assaulting women and be able to have a debate like, oh, maybe that's sort of right. Like, no, like, that's objectively wrong. But it's just, I don't know if we can judge an entire person and whether or not we should be friends with them based on who they vote as a presidential candidate. Because maybe it doesn't, Maybe for some people, voting for Donald Trump is a core part of their identity. And in that case, like, unfriend them, like, do whatever you want. But on another level, sometimes sometimes politics is not really so much about the person running for president, but about the party, about the ideas that they rep- that are represented by, by this candidate. Um, I think... One like one example is like if someone's pro Trump, maybe they're not necessarily for what he says, but um, Trump has talked about restricting women's rights um, when it comes to abortion and Planned Parenthood, and 
if you don't believe in Planned Parenthood because you're religious and you're against abortion and you thought Trump was the best solution to what you personally feel is murder and you voted for him because that's what you personally feel on a religious level, like, does that give me the, like, does that justify me not being friends with you? Like, it's just, I feel like once we start judging people by who they vote for and just narrowing it down to such a limited scope of what they believe, it's like, it's like we're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. We're not, uh, we shouldn't judge someone based on their vote and we shouldn't judge someone's entire person their character by their weakest link which may be the fact that they're supporting someone who they're supporting someone who objectively is saying these awful things but uh, it's what do you think Quinn it's so complicated okay I'm gonna say it I have mixed feelings about this (laughs) oh my god Quinn Okay, so first of all, that example that you brought up about um, voting for Trump because of pro-life issues, like, one, this is a very specific thing. Like, one of my mom's friends does not like Donald Trump at all, but, like, the issue that matters most to him in the entire world um, is making abortion illegal, basically. And he believed firmly that by voting for Donald Trump, this would um, give him the best chance of like, in the Supreme Court and everything, and so he did, and so, like, that's a very, like, that's a very real thing that, that happened for more than one person, I'm sure. On one hand, I 100% understand not wanting to be friends with people who voted for Donald Trump because of the things he said, of the emotions that he incited. If you are a person of color, if you're LGBTQ, um, if you are differently abled, like, there are are so many, like, valid personal reasons why you would have, like, a very um, emotional, deep response to finding out that someone that you know um, voted for a man that basically stands against your very existence. And, like, I felt that very personally um, after the election, which is interesting, like, I have a lot of, like, Republicans in my life, and, like, my parents are Republicans, like, several of my friends are Republicans. I feel like that person who's like, I have many black friends. (laughs) But no, seriously, though, (laughs) I do have a lot of Republican friends, but... (laughs) But, but, like, no one that I'm close to voted for Donald Trump, which I think is interesting. (laughs) Anyway, um... (laughs) But I like I do also, but I do have extended family that did, um, and I did not, I did not choose to like unfriend them um, or remove them from my life. Although they aren't really in my life, super a lot anyway. But um, so this is a special PSA to all my fellow white people out there. Talk to your family seriously. Like I know that this has been a running joke for a long time. Like oh, going to Thanksgiving and like my uncle's gonna be there and um he doesn't know anything and he's super biased like okay your uncle's a person and your uncle has valid concerns and maybe also your uncle's kind of racist but like racism is not your your uncle is not kind of racist because he's evil he's kind of racist probably because he doesn't he only knows white people if you are a person who did not vote for donald trump and you feel very strongly about this um 
then maybe you want to give like talking to your family members a try. And I'm not saying that you're going to like single-handedly heal the political divide in the country. I'm not even saying you're necessarily going to change your uncle's mind, but what you can do is try to reach that person and try to say like, these are my concerns and I'm going to present them to you in a non-confrontational way and have a conversation with you. And maybe when I can hear your reasons and maybe your reasons aren't as heinous as I thought they were for voting for Donald Trump. And maybe you can understand why I personally am worried and scared that he's going to be president. I know there's been some pushback against this idea because after the election, everyone is like, oh, like the liberals have to understand the Trump voters and like have to extend the hand of friendship to them and understand what like quote unquote real America is like, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think that just because we live in Boston and New York that we don't know what real America is. I think it's very American here. Anyway, but there, there does remain the fact that like, yeah, it kind of sucks that I'm putting the responsibility on you to start that conversation. I get it. It sucks. But it, it it is. Like, if you want things to move forward, like, if you want your uncle to understand, like, why you're feeling emotional and scared, then you're going to have to tell him. Like, you are the person that has to tell him. I'm sorry. That's how it is. So, although, like, if you are a person who is extremely hurt and is vulnerable and is not in a place to have those conversations with other people, then yeah, like I do understand why you choose to remove yourself from those situations and not talk to those people in your life anymore, especially if you do believe that like they are genuinely discriminatory and that you don't feel safe around them, then like absolutely like do what you have to do. But if you are a person who is safe and is it's just an uncomfortable situation, then I encourage you to talk to that person, whoever they may be. It's just so much room for constructive dialogue, but also just to go over wow I'm gonna be very libertarian sounding right now but also from the purest sense pure sense of the word like we shouldn't tell even though we're not the government but like we shouldn't tell you like if you should friend somebody or unfriend somebody like you do you like do what you want like no one can hold you back you know like if you want to like be have an aggressive argument with your racist uncle like go for it like it's fine um but yeah so that's my that was my little libertarian rant. I feel like you you ha- you feel like you have this like um requirement to be libertarian in every conversation. You're like, I just got to throw it out there. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly though, that was literally the class. Like I just feel like with everything that the prof- professor said, he would just close off with, but we don't really have a strong opinion on that. I just I feel like I've said this on the show before, but education is always a good thing. Learning more is always a good thing. And related to this, like on the subject of consuming um, media that is, like if you are conservative, like consuming liberal media and if on, and vice versa, I'm going to go ahead and say that like you don't necessarily have to curate that into your Twitter feed or something. Like I'm not going to say that you have to follow like conservative talk radio hosts if you're liberal if on like your own Twitter feed. But I do think that you have a responsibility to go read Fox News once in a while so that you can understand like what they're saying you know yeah I grew up in a more conservative household so like we always watched Fox News but my dad like always said like it's very important to read and just absorb as much as you can from all the different sources because it's like that psychological psychology thing where if you put um a lot of smart people in different rooms and then have them come together it's a lot more productive and they 
did work on their own to come up with their ideas as opposed to placing them all in the room to begin with because then sort of nothing gets done because they all sort of just agree with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and I feel like more and more I understand the importance of kind of having your own online space. Like for me on Twitter is like a very nice space for me to go right now. And like the people that I follow and the people that I talk to, they're like um, pretty same minded and pretty and supportive, but like that is the space I need. And then outside of that, I do my best to like read from different perspectives on my own time um, when I like am mentally prepared for it. instead of having it like bombarded in my face every day. <laughs> so there are different different strokes for different folks, but um like definitely don't cut out all of the other side. Then you're just going to be blindsided when sh- stuff shows up. There the SNL sketch that Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock did of um election night where it's a bunch of white people who are completely shocked that Trump won and the two black guys standing there like yeah why are you surprised by this? America sucks. And they're like, what? (laughs) And that's honestly like, it was too real. It was too real, Jillian. Yeah. So like I said, just make sure to um, always be open-minded and be sure to get your information from a bunch of different sources. Um, I personally read, (laughs) I read a lot of like economics-y things. (laughs) That's my professional term for it. Economics-y things. Um, I read the Financial Times because I think they do a great job of presenting international news uh, much better than like the international section of Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. But I also read them as well as The Economist. Um, So yeah, and of course, any article that Quinn sends me because she takes priority. Um, Aww. Yeah. I I feel like my main news sources for just like day-to-day news are the New York Times and BBC. Because I kind of, like, I get most of my domestic news from New York Times and most of my international news from the BBC. And then, um, and of course, like, as I'm doing research for this podcast, I, like, try to read as widely as possible across different news sites. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, so our review question got turned into, like, a whole segment on the podcast instead of just the fun bit at the end. Um, so thank you, Taylor. And thank you to David, who is... Um, also someone who wrote in about people removing friends from their lives because of Donald Trump. So it was a really good topic. I don't know. I feel like I have so many feelings about this. I'm not sure I expressed them all as well as I wanted to, but I feel like this is something that's going to keep coming up. So keep sending us your thoughts about it. Um, if you have more, or if you want to yell at us about something we said, like, I wish you wouldn't, but it's your right. It's your libertarian right to yell at us oh my god uh, if you really feel like you gotta <laughs> um so if you want to do that express your libertarian rights i know that they're just rights i just like putting the word libertarian in front of them <laughs> but yeah if you want to do that um you can find our show notes at relay.fm slash mixed feelings where there is a link to contact us you can also find us at mixed feelings fm on twitter where you can tweet at us or send us a dm you can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. And also, we do encourage you to review us on iTunes. And you can send us, like, uh, complicated substantive questions, or you can just ask us 
what our favorite drink at Starbucks is. Um, we love all of them, and we love all of you. You're great. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings.